Hey, it's Jordan Johnson, and you are listening to The Grove Podcast. Before we get rolling today, I want to let you all know about a really fun project that is out in the world for your listening enjoyment. We all know Christmas is soon to be upon us, and Passion Music has just released our very first ever Christmas album called Hope Has a Name. I got to lend some background vocals to this project, and let me tell you, these songs are beautiful and powerful, and they are available now everywhere you get music. In fact, here's a little teaser to get you going. We hope that gets you in the Christmas spirit and gets you downloading Hope Has a Name today. Today's guest on the Grove podcast is Hosanna Wong. Hosanna is a speaker, author, and spoken word artist, and she and her husband Guy both serve as pastors at East Lake Church in the San Diego area. She has joined Christine Kane for her Propel events, as well as joining Brandy Wilson and Lori Wilhite for Leading and Loving It. And today she sits down for a virtual chat with Shelly Giglio as they recount how their friendship began, the significance of ministry behind the scenes, as well as calling this generation up and into more. We really think you'll be encouraged. So here is Shelly Giglio with Hosanna Wong. How are you feeling today? Sounds like you've been kind of busy, girl. I think so. I think you've been too. I think we've had to be busy. Listen... (laughs) I watch you and think, uh, hey, if she can do it, I can do it. (laughs) Well, I can't wait to talk to you about all the stuff that you're in. And A, I just honestly, there's been such a strong connection from us from the day we laid eyes on each other, had no idea who each other were. Yeah. And um, I just, I think about that moment all the time of how God is sovereign over our relationships. Yeah. And, And how he puts us in relationships with people that he... I think really prioritizes for us. Yeah. And you're you're such a perfect example of that in my life. I'm like, I didn't even know I needed Hosanna. And now I'm like, I can't imagine life without her. I feel the same way. I really appreciate that. I feel the same way. I felt like, oh, I also like learned not just what you fed into me personally, because your friendship to me means so much. I don't have anyone like you in my life. So you're just so special to me. But you've also taught me just from our meeting through your life posture towards other women. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this is the posture I want to have. I want to give to people what Shelly gave to me. So I've also just like learned from you from afar through your friendships as well. And it means a lot to me. That's so kind. Well, let's talk for a second about what it was like to meet each other. Um, I would love to hear your perspective, (laughs) but for me, (laughs) you know, we both showed up for Propel and um, I think we were willing. I mean, I was so thrilled just to, I've always told Christine, Hey, if you want me to do anything, the answer is yes. Um, I will come to wherever it is. I will do whatever you want me to, and I'm available. And even if that means that it makes it difficult on my schedule, I would rather say yes to you than to, you know, not do it. So that's kind of been my posture with her, with Propel all along and all the things. And I've gotten to be a part of a lot of different things over the years with her in addition to Propel. But that, that week we all showed up and, um, 
all of a sudden we had this kind of gap in the middle of the day where we were having lunch together and we'd really never met each other. And what was your take from the get-go? Oh man, what was my take? Who I was just like, this, this is girl? so fun. <laughs> I was like, this is so fun. Like I'm walking into this situation and I'm like, man, this, I, I'm not professional enough or serious enough for what I'm about to walk into. Right. And same. then during lunch, I was like, I was like, oh, thank we're God, good. like this is so fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that was that moment where we weren't too worried about what came next. That was the best. I was like, thank God. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't really know like all, all the things that you had been a part of either. And I think um, when I met you, I was most drawn to you. And I think, I think that's always a gift in a way too, because it feels like I, I didn't really know what you did, you know? So I wasn't really caught right. up in who, who, how you were contributing as much as I was just enamored by your person. And um, it's so special when you get to create friendships like that, that aren't about platforms and opportunities, but they're more about just people and, and personal connection yeah. to that side of the person. So I remember feeling that with you, like, man, I like this girl. I don't even know what she does and really what she's yeah. going to even bring in this moment. But I know that I really enjoy her. And, um, and I think that's a real special thing. And I think that's um, creates a lasting thing too, because even today, like we've had the opportunity, even during COVID, we've prayed together, you know, with all these women from all over the right. world. And you helped organize that, you and Christine. And it's so powerful yeah. to be on a Zoom call with really, I don't know, a hundred women maybe at times who we're just yes, on, on our, absolutely. really on our faces before God saying, God, have mercy on us. And, um, yeah. And so we've had these all these different kinds of special moments together, but I think all that came from that relationship that was created in that very first moment. Do you do you think that? I think so. I think it that came from genuine actual relationships and like you said, not people who were enamored by platform or even sure what the other person fully did, yeah. but that there was something about even the relationships that Christine had made. By the time you're here, there's trust. Yes. There's something about that too, right? When a trusted yeah. friend trusts someone else. So it's like, okay, we're all friends and in a world where we're going like we even said earlier like, man, we're so busy. In a world where we're so busy and we have this connected bond through we just all want to serve Jesus. Yep. It is such a joy when you get to have fun through it, when you get to have life through it and have real friends through it because yeah. it can be lonely. And I love being around women that have decided it will not be. Yeah. We will not do this alone. Um, and so I think that genuine friendship of, man, I'm just like, drawn to you. And this is fun. And I just remember loving your pink blazer. And I remember <laughs> being like, I'm kind of like making a big decision in my life right now. Will you help me with this? And just being very honest, like, hey, will you pray yeah. for me? Um, there's just something wonderful about just being Jesus people, sharing that common bond. But that, um, you know, what really drew, drew me to you was your joy, Hmm. that like um, loving Jesus was joyful to you and ministry was joyful to you hmm. and serving with your husband was joyful to you and your friendships were joyful to you. Like this really wasn't this treacherous work day. Right. This really wasn't this like, though there's been sacrifice, I know, but this wasn't a like, this is just another sacrifice yeah. that we're doing for the yeah, kingdom. Sometimes it was I like, think we want to present that so that we can <laughs> remind people how hard yeah. it is. When actually yeah, everybody's so. <laughs> very in touch with how hard it is. You know what I mean? Like I, I, yeah. there's never a day that I don't think this is a sacrifice, but the joy that I can find in those sacrifices is really what gives me life. 
And I know mm-hmm. for you that that um, that some of our common ground in that moment was just the laughter and the fun and the the deep things of God that brought us real happiness and joy. And yeah. um, I, I also just was thinking too, just as we ministered to each other that day, because you did the same for me. Um, I, I always am mindful of people who are leading things ministers who are standing yeah. on stages and how desperately they need to be ministered to. And I think even what you were saying in the beginning of the call when we were just saying hi was, um, you know, what happened that day I needed and I didn't really know that I needed that, but God did. And he, yeah. he intentioned us to be in the same space together. And I think he does that with a lot of people. And you articulated a desire to carry that on with other women and to be in spaces with people and to recognize that they need ministry personally, not just to be given an opportunity to stand on a platform somewhere. So how do you carry that along with you every day? Yeah, you know, you you gave a great example of it, how you kind of led that by throughout throughout doing ministry with you, you'll just say it. Not only do you show it, but you say like, man, can you believe we get to do this? Man, how fun is this? Yeah. Man, how wild is this? And it's making me think like, this is fun. Yeah. Whoa, this is cool. Well, this is wild. And, you know, I have uh, taken a lot of, you know, that joy and that posture from you and Christine and, and, and thought, man, how can we bring joy to the next generation of yes. women that are leading? And so I try to have that language um, as well to say what I feel, not to hold back that I love you and I support your ministry, you know, not to be on social media and scroll past someone who I love and support, but to tell them, I love you and support you. And how great is this book that is coming out that you wrote? Right. How amazing, you know, to not hold back the joy I have for others, to not hold back the joy I have for Jesus and ministry. And I think your, you know, your posture gives gives everyone around you a lot of permission to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's exciting. Mm-hmm. And so I love that. I love passing that on. This is joyful. Jesus is joy. Um, and we can pass that on, you know? And so I try to lead that by, I try to let people know how much I love them and value them and not make them guess what I think about them. Um, I try to be a cheerleader for people of, I support you. I'm for you. I love you. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of what God's doing in your life. So and good. I, um, it wasn't something natural for me. So it feels to me like, and I'm just guessing, but you're you're not an extrovert, are you? No. You're, you're introverted. Yes. And I love that you know that about me. I appreciate that so much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I, I live with somebody that, feel, that feels like they're made a lot like you and that they get replenishment through, you know, being alone or being in a small group of people and not so much from a big party and having all the people. And so I recognize it in people, but I also watch you every day push yourself past what would be comfortable for you with people. Yeah. And I think that's a dying to self that's powerful and you should talk about that for a second. I appreciate that. I think I think it's easy to, for me, it was easy to be like, no, you know what? I'm an introvert, so I just don't reach out to people, or I'm this on the Enneagram, or I'm this in my strengths finder, so I just don't do these certain things. Mm-hmm. And I think that I lived in that, uh, those excuses and that comfortability. Um, and then I think it might've been when, when people pulled out the best in me by how they went out of their way for me, encouraged me, pulled out the gold in me that I realized like, wow, like the fire that's been ignited in me, if I can give that to anybody else, if I can reignite purpose or identity in anyone else, why am I holding back just because I don't feel comfortable? What part of the gospel did Jesus say, don't worry, this will be comfortable and warm and fuzzy the whole time? Right. And so I just realized like, if I want to be on mission for Jesus, some of this is going to take some energy. Yeah. <laughs> some of this is going to take me um, dying to myself and my comfortability a little bit. I'm going to stretch 
myself, you know, um, I'm going to ask, you know, do you want to hang out after this conference and, you know, go out to dinner after, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to be more intentional. You know, I've shared that with you being more intentional in social media, commenting and letting people know that I'm for them. Things that aren't my natural personality, but realizing like when people know you're for them, it's amazing what people believe they can do when you tell them what they can do. And it's amazing how people know more about what God says about them when you tell them what God says about them. And so I just realized that like every interaction on social media and in real life is an opportunity to tell people more of who they really are. And um, I want to be a part of that. And so I think I've gotten better at it. It wasn't natural, but the more I've practiced it, the more it's become a bit natural. And I'm, I'm really passionate about it. I'm really passionate about that, letting people know who they are and what they can do. Um, even if it's not natural, even if it's not on your top five strengths finder, yes. to let people know how powerful and valuable their lives are. Well, and even just yeah. watching you do it, I think, you know, what, what we practice becomes normal. And and sometimes yeah. it, it feels natural to just excuse, like you said, our behavior based on how we're made and what, what we're good at and, you know, why that's a reason for us not to do all the other things when God has really called us up to those other things too. And His His power right. is made perfect in our weakness. And honestly, His we don't get to see it if we're just working out of our strengths all the time. Bottom line, it's like, hey, if I'm just playing to my strengths and doing the things that I really feel like I'm gifted to do, then where where do I need the Holy Spirit to show up? Absolutely. Yep. That's so good. And so I just think there's so much power in that. Who who in your life showed up in your life when you had real need? I know, um, tell everybody a little bit about just your growing up. And then who are some of those key people that showed up and said, Hosanna, you have something inside of you that God wants to bring to fruition? Yeah, you know, so I grew up on the streets of San Francisco. My family um, founded a a ministry to the homeless, ex-convicts, drug addicts on the streets there. And my dad was the preacher um, who was a recovered heroin addict who found Jesus. Jesus changed his whole life. And so he preached to people that he... um, you know, he was like, and um, that he he led them to Jesus. So I grew up on the streets seeing my dad preach every week of my childhood. So that's how I knew that Jesus could change anybody's life because I've seen it with my own eyes my whole life. And so I'd say seeing my dad do it, I always knew anyone can share the gospel of Jesus. Real life change is possible for anybody. So that's been ingrained in me, I think, from my daddy, um, seeing seeing Jesus do that in his life. And certainly after he passed away when I was 18 years old, a fire ignited in me of, man, maybe I can't do what he did, but I have to do something. So good. I have to do something to pass this on. People have to know about Jesus and what he can do for them. So, you know, let me kind of figure out a way. I um, wasn't a singer-songwriter like my sister, and I wasn't like a teacher or, or, or volleyball coach like my mom, and I certainly wasn't a, a preacher or a pastor like my dad, but I like performed spoken word poetry on the streets with all my friends on I the streets. I love it so much. Um, like, we did like freestyling, and uh, yeah, they would call me um, Lil Dub, like W, my last name, Wong, and um, or they'd call me Little Girl because I was like the only like young girl on the streets there and they'd be like, come on, come freestyle with us. So I like learned hip hop and freestyling and spoken word poetry on the streets just as my love and as my joy. Um, like you said, I, at the, t- like how you've shown me how much a uh, joy can be in serving Jesus at the time. I thought this is just my joy. Mm-hmm. This is just what I love to do. I just love freestyling with my friends on the streets. 
Uh, that's not ministry. But, you know, after my dad passed away, um, it was the only thing I knew how to do. I had spent my whole childhood competing in slam poetry um, in like the secular scene. And so I was like, well, this is all I have. I'm just going to do this. Um, and so I, I started sharing the gospel through spoken word poetry because it was the only thing I knew how to do at the time. And so I shared the gospel through spoken word poetry. So I would say it was a lot of... Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say that I had a lot of mentors during that time, honestly. Um, it, once I went on the road full time and started traveling, just performing spoken word, that was really from a call I felt from the Holy Spirit, though it was lonely, though I didn't feel like I had mentorship or, or, or a lot of community in my life. But I believed that they were going to come. Yeah. And that was hard, taking a step of faith without community, taking a step of faith without people understanding what it was that you felt called to do. But when the Holy Spirit speaks to you so uh, clearly, when you it's all you think about when you wake up in the morning, all you think about when you go to bed at night, it's really hard to ignore. It's really hard to disobey. And so I, um, I did that for a few years and community certainly came. So I would say many women now and many pastors, many men and women now in my life, um, though I started this journey very alone, yeah, I never knew if I would have community. I feel like one of the least alone people I know now. <laughs> um, yeah, I, feel I don't like see the you Lord alone much, has that's given for me. sure. <laughs> Above and beyond um, a lot of people that have spoken into my life. So I could s- speak to many, you know. Um, Lisa Bevere was someone who early on was like, I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, God's called me to speak truth into your life. And she walked with me through some hard seasons. Mm-hmm. Christine Kane has walked with me through some hard seasons. Uh, Judd Wilhite and Lori Wilhite mm-hmm. have walked with me through many, many seasons. You have, you've prayed with me through hard se- seasons and hard decisions. Um, I, I could name many, so I don't. I don't want to go too far because I don't want to leave out people. I have so many people that I feel have prayed with me. Powerful because you know know, I also think that people who feel alone right now, that it it doesn't have to be that way forever. And just seeing your life kind of awaken to the call of God and your desire to be obedient to Him above everything else, I would say you you definitely even if it cost you, you were going to obey Him. And I think that's so powerful right. for people people to hear. But then the community element came later as you kept pursuing God and the obedience of God into what He was calling you to do. Then God kept surfacing these people mm-hmm. around your life who could help you do it well. And um, and sometimes right. I think we're waiting for one before we want to do the other. Many people I think are waiting for the mentor to show yes. up to teach them what they need to know before they can obey. And in my right. life, I had to obey and move before I found a lot of the things I was really hoping for. And it sounds like that's the same that's right. as yours. Yeah. I mean, you said something really profound there because I did feel while I was on the road, I was on the road alone, uh, driving around the country, performing in, in prisons and churches and conferences, doing spoken word and preaching for about four and a half years mm-hmm. on my own. And I remember over and over feeling like, I know you've called me to community. I know you've called me. And I felt this strong sense in me of it's not always going to be this way. Like this sense of like, can it be enough that it's just me and you right now? And I think intimacy with the Holy Spirit intimacy with the person of Jesus was something I had lacked in my life to that point. Wow. So I actually think that that time it was, now I see it like some people don't didn't have that, that loneliness where I had to cry out to God and I only had him as the only person that understood me, the only person I could talk to, that relationship I have with Jesus, how close I know this person, how much I love my friend. Love it. it came because of years of loneliness yeah. of saying, 
this is enough. You're enough for right now. It's not always going to be this way. And then when you spoke about um, relationships, that for me, and we spoke about how I'm introverted, that took a lot of um, receiving invitations. Like when someone reaches out to you and says, hey, I want to pray for you, or I want to be there for you, or hey, text me if you need anything. That took me believing people. Because I think for a lot of people, they say things like, you know, there's no one in my life because maybe it's not the person they wanted to reach out to them that is reaching out to them. But sometimes there are people in your life that are like, I'm available for you. I'd love to pray for you. And so sometimes we have to believe people and receive the invitation and not get in our heads about, did they mean it? I don't want to bother them. And the other thing is I had to make invitations too. I had to also go out of my way and in my comfort zone and say, I'm going to walk up to this person and ask in my local church, this woman in my local church, my neighbor, my sister, you know, um, someone that mentored me years ago. And I'm going to make the invitation because it's more, I'm more of, I am more afraid of missing out on what God has for me than I'm afraid of a no. So good. And so I think that there's, there's both. We have to receive invitations, but sometimes we have to make them if we want the community if we want the community along with us in the call of God in our lives. So talk about your life now, because it's really different than that. You're planted in a local church. You're ministering there week by week. You are married to an incredible guy. You have a family that you're living life with every day. Talk about just how that's evolved to this point and what you think God might be doing in your future. You have any ideas about that? Yeah. You know, me and my husband, um, we're in a special season right now. You know, it's just us. Uh, We don't have kids, but we have a lot of family all over the country. And we really feel called to that. We really feel called to them. We really feel called to um, really speak to this generation where they are right now and try to be as, I like to call like the Emmanuelness. Like I like, I'm really trying to hear from God about how can we be with people where they are? That's one of my favorite things about Jesus is that he is not far and distant, but he's just right with us wherever we are. And I don't want to be someone that's a minister speaking things far above and beyond where people actually are. I don't want to just say these impressive monologues that I've memorized. Like I want to be able to have dialogues and relationships with people like Jesus did. And so my husband and I, in the season we're in right now, I would honestly say we're listening a lot. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I have a ton to say about like what I think the future is, because for me, I felt really called early this year, actually, there was these two questions I felt like God prompted me to ask him every day. And um, those two questions were, what do you want me to do? And what do you want me to say? And I felt really prompted of that early. And I, that sounds really simple, but it's just simply not questions that we ask every day. <laughs> like right. it sounds so simple that maybe we just don't do it. And I really felt called to that of like, God, like, don't let me be distracted by what other people are doing or by what I think I'm supposed to be doing in this unique season of my ministry. Um, what do you want me to do? What you want me to say? So certainly as the world changed, as our ministry went through hard seasons, as I personally went through hard seasons, and as our communities have certainly gone through the most heartbreaking seasons, it has been a prayer I've continued to say of what do you want me to do? And what do you want me to say? Don't let me do what, don't let me just repost what the world is telling yeah. me to repost. Yeah. <laughs> don't let me just brand how my other friend that does something similar to me brands. Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to say to be Emmanuel with people? So what it looks like practically for us. We're plugged into our local church. We love our local church. We're church kids. Um, We love serving the local and global church. I know that's a unique thing, but we fully feel called to 
both. And God has given us a grace for that. Um, that looks like a speed, but that looks like, you know, intentional rest as well. Um, and I'm writing and preaching more this year than I feel like I ever have. But I feel like as I've asked God, what do you want me to do? What you want me to say? He's answered. So that's where I'm at is that he did not shut his mouth when I asked him those questions. And so I've been writing more than ever. I've been preaching more than ever, but I do feel like I'm speaking to the moment that we're in more than ever. And I'm excited about that, Shelly. Like I'm excited to be able to be with, um, a world, like something that we talked about a lot on our prayer calls. I still really feel inside of me of, I don't know why it's us that are leading in such a time of history as right now. If I was a betting person, I wouldn't say I, I would have been the one alive in this generation, but because it is us, Thank you, God, that it's us. And what do you want us to do? And what do you want us to say? Yeah. Um, and so I, I'm I'm really just in a season of of writing a lot and speaking a lot and loving our community a lot. We also are very involved in our ministry to the homeless in San Francisco, as well as our local church in San Diego. And we are fully just called to all of it. God has really given us a grace for that. And you know, something that God's put on my heart is... Um, you know, Acts 1-8. I love Acts 1-8 because I'm such a, a, in my the depths of my heart, I'm an evangelist. Yeah. So for me, I'm just like, I love Acts 1-8. Let's go to the world. And I love how it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, the ends of the earth, right? The people right next to you, the people a bit further, the people that are don't look or believe at all like you into the ends of the earth. In my whole life, I've loved that. I've loved, let's go change the world. Like we're, let's go to the ends of the earth. But something that I learned this year is that going to the ends of the earth is good. We should do it. I hope we all change the world, but that's not the right order. Yeah. We have to first receive power from the Holy Spirit. And I think that that is the thing that God has centered me in this year of don't go into the world without the presence of God. Don't go into the world without the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't go into the world saying what they want you to say. Don't go into the world saying what you think you're supposed to say. Go into the world with the power of the Holy Spirit and I challenge, I'm, I'm challenging um, this generation alive right now that has been given the responsibility to be Jesus to this world. What has God called you to do? And what has God called you to say? Go into the world, but don't go without the power of the Holy Spirit first. Yeah, so good, Hosanna. And just as you were speaking, and it just reminds me of a couple of things. One, um, I believe in you. I think you're powerfully gifted. But when you say, my heart is to ask God, what do you want me to say and what do you want me to do? That's the heart of Jesus. And he said about himself on earth, I just do what I see my father doing and I say what I hear my father saying. And man, there is nothing more glorious than putting ourselves in a position where we can be in a flow that is that powerful. And so yes and amen to the way that you're living and the way that you're choosing to ask God simple questions, but listen for profound answers. I love it. And then secondly, I just want to say to you, you know, the verse that comes to mind over your life is in Philippians 1, 6, where it says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. And that work is obviously salvation, and he's working at that salvation out in your life even today. But it's also what he's created in you for good works. 
And I believe that you're hmm. in a day-by-day process of watching him come through for your life, yes, personally grow you, yes, but actually touch the whole world through you. And we will not know, short of heaven, how impactful that is. But I believe it, and I'm so happy, yeah. so happy that I get to stand and watch you obey Him. And it, it brings joy to my life, and I know to the people that are around you every day as well. So just know that we're big fans, Hosanna, uh, watching your life be authentically lived for Jesus in a way that's true is so beautiful to us and inspiring. So thank you. Oh, I love you so much, friend. Thank you. Thank you so much. We want to thank Hosanna for joining us today, and we know you'll want to check out HosannaWong.com to learn more about her ministry and find her books and albums there as well. And be sure to keep up with us at TheGroveOnline.com, as well as Instagram at PCC underscore The Grove, to keep track with all the upcoming gatherings and all the latest happenings around here. And we will catch you next time on The Grove Podcast.